Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast, brought to you in part by Tazzini Media. I'm your host, Steve Cimino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Steve. Welcome back to the podcast. We're here. Two, two in a row. <laughs> two in a row. Nice little gap in between, but still in a row. That still yeah, applies, yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. One more is <laughs> a streak, I think, officially. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're together. And though you might assume, though if you looked at the name of the podcast, you wouldn't necessarily assume this, but you might think that in the summer 2017 movie season, we're going to be chatting about Dunkirk or Planet of the Apes or some other hot release that came out. But no. We could we, do that. No, but no. <laughs> we're not. Why would that be crazy? Why would we do that? We, we are going to talk about a much more fun topic. We're going to talk about two movies from 2016 that we think sort of fill this gap that you don't see these days which is a bad movie that's sort of good slash a good movie that's pretty bad and to us we've been talking about you and i've been talking about these movies i remember i saw them last year and i yeah. remember saying andrew you gotta see these because they're there there's gonna be so much we can talk about it's just a cornucopia of options of things to discuss yeah and they both popped up on hbo like within the last few months i think they're both still on there so if you got the hbo you're watching the game of thrones you're like i need to get more out of my hbo now subscription then you got these two movies yeah these two and if you, if you don't know again if you didn't look at the title of the episode it's sully and the accountants so if you haven't seen them pause pause your podcast go watch sully go watch the account it'll take about four and a half hours maybe a little no, less well, no sully will take you like 12 minutes and... <laughs> i guess it is like 93 minutes isn't it? <laughs> yeah yeah and then the account's like a normal length you know okay so the other link between these movies besides the fact that they came out in fall of 2016 and they're both on hbo now is uh is that they're i think what you're hit, hit, hitting on is that they're Neither of them are like remakes or comic book movies or like family movies. They're like adult movies that just like, you know, aren't like that good, but they're also kind of interesting. <laughs> well, you know? the people of IMDb would apparently disagree with you on the accountant not being yeah, good. Uh, accountant is 7.4 out of 10 and, and Sully comes in a, a hair higher at 7.5 out of 10. Oh, so. so both hits, both C's, solid C's. Yep. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Andrew, before we get too deep in this episode, let's do beverage of choice. We haven't done that in a while. What are you drinking while we talk about Sully and the accountant? I mean, I guess I must be thinking of you right now because I'm drinking a Sierra Nevada and I'm wearing my uh, shirt that I purchased when I went to California a couple years ago from the and, and went to the Warner Brothers studio lot. And it's like the California bear, bear from the flag. Sure. So I didn't even realize I'm doing that, but I'm wearing all this California Aww, stuff. Oh, what a nice guy you are. You make me feel at home. Must be I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a good guy. Thank you for, for giving respect to my new home state. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll always have DC, you know. <laughs> we will. Well, I have a slightly different drink. I have a Dale's Pale Ale, which is Ooh. apropos because I'm actually going to Denver as i the day after i record this so so i must have known that as well when i bought this yeah we're just gravitating towards uh yeah. we're, just, we're just lazy and we're just buying things that are easy yeah, to get yeah, easy this, to is what's, this is what's in the fridge <laughs> yeah. dale's like you know you get a 12 pack for like 18 bucks it's a, it's a good deal so. yeah it was it was purely a, a price purchase so but um, it's delicious so no no it's, regrets over here it is not nor, nor here <laughs> that's good <laughs> all right so let's get into this let's talk i want to talk about sully first because i think okay. 
I saw Sully is the story of Chesley Sully Sullenberger, the pilot Chesley. who Chesley. I Chesley. said Chesley. Yeah. Not, no, I know. I'm just saying it's a oh. weird. It's a weird name. <laughs> it's People a weird remember name. him. So it's he's got a weird name. It's not it's Chelsea. Very weird. That's why he goes by Sully because no one Chesley isn't really you know work. I think even his wife calls him Sully in the movie. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Laura Linney, right? Is yeah, that, the most yeah. thankless Laura Linney role I feel like you could ever. Yeah, imagine. what a waste of Laura Linney. Oh my Jeez. God, Laura Linney. I was talking to someone about this recently. So Laura Linney's role in role in Sully is to call her husband who just crashed into a river and ask yeah. if he's okay, and then Sully gets really mad at her and basically tells her to cool her jets and like stop bothering him. And it's like you crashed into a river. Your wife is concerned. What what is the issue here? You can't tell like, her to calm down. She should not calm down she should be freaked out the amount of screen time that laura lenny must have got plus knowing like clint eastwood as a like a one take director she must have been on set for like 45 minutes (laughs) it's it's so weird it is such an interesting i mean i understand that a a 50 year old ish actress certainly cannot be turning down roles in sully and all that and you know i hope and she i'm sure she's compensated well enough for her role but i mean given how good of an actress she is it was a real letdown to see her just you know sort of bitching and moaning to tom hanks yeah yep but beyond that (laughs) which is something that i did think about whenever i think about sully is poor laura lenny but I I think Sully is a really interesting movie because I think a lot I think this sort of relates when because to me knowing Clint Eastwood who's a very old man now but you know was a great action star in his day and since then has been known as a director but also as a crazy Republican who yelled at the chair one time that it's 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 uh you see his politics are certainly visible in his movies but given that he was the crazy guy who yelled at the chair it's it's not as heavy-handed i feel like as you might expect like he doesn't shove it down your throat so much as like i i and you might disagree with me but i thought the point of sully is clearly you know computers are stupid models are stupid the human instinct is stronger than all of those but i didn't think it was like uh i didn't think it was outrageously that like it's it's sort of it's a little it's not it maybe as subtle as it could be but I thought it, it still is a movie with a story. Like, I, I, I just thought it was, I, I think Clint, I expect him to sort of to rant and rave, especially in his old age. And Grant Torino was sort of an example of that ranting and raving a little more. But I thought Sully was a pretty good, you know, telling of a story that just happened to hit on all the themes Clint probably believes in his heart. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his, I don't want to say his politics don't seep into his work at all, but I, like, especially with a lot of the stuff he's done lately and Gran Torino is probably an exception to this, but like a lot of his stuff recently is, is almost like it almost has the feeling of like a, a, a fictionalized documentary in some ways, you know, like, like, I mean, Sully is obviously a real guy, but you know, like it, there's American sniper, same thing. And, um, what else did he do? Like, uh, Jima. yeah. And what was the South African, South African, oh, Invictus. Uh, Invictus. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's, he does seem to try to like get to the heart of his characters. Right. And I, I don't, and, and so there's something that's not really political, wholly political about, about that. And so, um, yeah, I think he's, I still think he does a really interesting work. Uh, I will say like in all seriousness, the, the like crash, the entire crash scene on in this movie is like 
worth the price of admission by itself. It's, oh, it's absolutely. Like, it's like it's it's so well executed. And um, I feel and, like since nine eleven too, you haven't seen anything that in yeah. your face too. Like I saw a plane crashing into a city in the New York, yeah. like that. Yeah. That was still jarring to see. Yep, yep. And so like that part is just like you know sort of pretty flawlessly executed. Um, and then the rest of the movie is just yeah, it is. It's it is. It, I guess you're like getting it. Like Clint Eastwood is like a quirky old guy now, a kooky sort of guy, <laughs> and like the whole movie is kind of kooky and quirky. <laughs> Um, right, right down to Aaron Eckhart's mustache, the glorious, <laughs> the glorious thing, and, and and the strangest ending I've seen of a movie in the last I don't uh, even know how long. Yeah, yeah, you know, like this is like if 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 the, if if we if if we had rented that movie like from Blockbuster as a VHS, you would have like wondered if like the tape got cut out or something <laughs> like that. It's yeah, so is there abrupt. two? Is it part one and part yes, two? Yeah, 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 did I? Yeah. If you haven't seen Sully, it, it literally ends on at a very natural place in the story. Like Sully is sort of vindicated, and they ask Sully and Aaron Eckhart what his co-pilot what they would have done otherwise. And Aaron Eckhart's character says, "I would have done. I would have landed in July." And there's a big belly laugh from everybody in the room, and then it just fades to black, and that's the. End of the movie. I feel like for that ending, he should have just gone full like '80s sitcom, and they should have high fived, and then it would freeze frame on that. <laughs> yeah, the freeze and then frame some like, frame. yeah, that would have been the way to do it. It might as well. It's like a classier freeze frame, basically. They might as yeah. well have done that. It would have been way more fun. Yeah, it's, it is weird because it, it was like a natural ending for the movie, but it was just so like. It was so sudden and then and so like tonally out of, out oh, of yeah. line with the rest of the movie, which is not really funny, a funny movie at all. Uh, and uh, oh, it's just so it's just so strange. It's the whole story so is told in like hyperdrive too. like they make it seem like Sully crashes into the river and five days later they're having a hearing on whether he you know, could have done it. And then they find the engine quick, you know, conveniently during the hearing. And like, there's just like so much happens at once. Like what a busy bunch of days that must have been for fake Sully. The I FTA was, was so nervous. Yeah, they were working hard, I suppose. <laughs> it's, you know, I, it's just, it's very, like, there is definitely some old man Clint stuff. Like, I mean, yeah. uh, they, they, you know, the, sort of the gist of the movie is, you know, are you going to believe Sully's expertise as a pilot, a veteran pilot, versus these computer simulations? And it's super half-assed. Like, the simulations are clearly, are not even, like, following the, like, Sully basically says that's not the, the situation we were in, and then when they reconfigure the simulation, it fails immediately so it's not even a good simulation like i don't think i don't think even the the best computer nerds would be like no no this wrong simulation is more important than this veteran pilot like there's not there's not a lot of arguing there like the way they set it up is very convenient and very just sort of exists to serve the plot but that's sort of what makes it fun is it's just so dumb and these straw men are set up for sully to knock down immediately and you just have to laugh and go what is this why is this happening yeah, it's it's like I don't like what even happened. Like, is that Michael Rappaport when he goes into the bar? Yeah, like, who's like making like, fun of Sully for some reason? Who just did this heroic? Yeah, <laughs> I don't even like that. Was there's just so many weird parts? Uh, yeah, I don't. Michael I Rappaport don't and Turtle from Entourage both have roles in this movie. Very small roles, but they were like basically the New York guys. Like, they you can't make a New York movie without Rappaport and Sully there, or and and Turtle. <laughs> I feel like they just filmed in New York and they were just on the street that day, maybe. I don't know. The two of them. Yeah, I don't know. It's got a great cast overall, though. Like It's got like all sorts of random people. Jamie Sheridan, Anna Gunn, Mike O'Malley, 
Eckhart, Linny, Turtle, like there's all sorts of curious people that are, a lot of people on the plane are character actors that you've seen before. The guy who played Jimmy Olsen in the Brian Singer Superman is yeah. on there. Like there's, it's just, it's a cavalcade of very unexpected people where you can go, oh, there's that person, there's that person. Yeah, I did appreciate seeing Mike O'Malley uh, for, for an extended, extended period of time, you know. He's, it's, he's it's really a, settled into like the gruff administrator type, like yeah, who's constantly yeah. reprimanding you. <laughs> Yeah, guts was a long time ago, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's great! It's so amazing that uh, good for him though for going from guts to Sully in twenty-five years. That's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. What happened? We don't know what happened to Mo. So no, we don't know what happened to Mo. <laughs> turned out better for him than for Mo. So. <gasps> All right. Well, let's talk about the accountant too, because again, they're very different movies, but they're. They're both, and I think The Accountant is, is a worse movie, but it, especially in watching it again, the first time I saw it, I remember laughing at the, just the whole spectacle of it all, and the second time, it was a bit of a slog. What was what was your take when you rewatched, or when you watched it for the first time here? I I agree totally that it's worse than Sully, but I would much rather watch The Accountant on television than Sully. Mm, um, interesting. Just just as like a drive-by. I, I, I don't think I ever really want to watch either of these movies start to finish again. Um <laughs> But like the account, I would much more gleefully like just drop in for you know uh, a math math an action math montage or <laughs> uh, you know just uh, the the slightly questionable um, moral decision to have Ben Affleck play an autistic guy um, or just anything about the whole the whole movie. Um, it's a very it, that's that's another movie where the tone is hard to really pin down because we're yeah. introduced to Ben Affleck. So Ben Affleck, if you haven't seen it, and, and you should see it for sure because it's a very <laughs> odd attempt to start a franchise in twenty. For sure, or just like you know, if you've got some free time. <laughs> yeah, free time. You have two Wednesday hours of free for time. Sure. <laughs> if you need to see something, like go see Dunkirk to bring it back. If you're to listening it. to the Accountant podcast, you should probably see the Accountant. Yeah, well, that that is definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> If, you, if you're listening to the accountant podcast and you've never seen the accountant, you have way too much time. Or you really you like us, which we appreciate, but still an odd choice. That seems unlikely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he's he's an uh, autistic, uh, obviously titular accountant, but then also he's uh, sort of an assassin, just sort of an all-around ass-kicker. Uh, not doesn't even really do good like the whole beginning of the movie is based on the fact that he's been cooking the books for sort of dictators and warlords throughout the world and they're trying to catch him because or at least figure out what's going on and then you eventually find out it's not all bad but it's not like he's been out there helping people like as far as we know up until this point he's not really a good guy but he's not really an anti-hero either he's just sort of a nebulous you know accountant assassin fighter dude He's kind of a force of nature, really, in a lot of ways. He's more than he's like a human. I don't know. Like, uh, and then uh, you can't leave out the fact that um, the movie is just filled with flashbacks to his childhood, when his father, who was like in the military, was like, like a, I guess, like a kind of a dick to him, mm-hmm. and his brother. And it's this has got to be one of the longest like times in a movie that where like the the quote unquote twist 
has been like so plainly obvious, but it, it takes like an hour and a half for it to be revealed. Like they keep showing his brother in these flashbacks. Uh, yeah, there's one know. character that's just sort of farting around with no other relevance. With to the no plot. other explanation. So it's like, obviously that's the brother. It's about the same age. it's so good that's exactly and also there's they don't really again for what i mean about the tone being strange is they don't really you know his his father sort of has the 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 idea that his son who is autistic another son who i believe is not disabled at all but he sort of has a mindset that they need to take care of themselves so he pushes them to these insane lengths but it's not like in other movies where they're he's pushing them for you know a purpose or to solve yeah. a goal. He's just pushing them for a, for no apparent reason. So it's really just mean more than anything. Like obviously, Affleck's life is probably better as the accountant in this movie as it would have been as as a regular autistic child who had never learned to fend for himself. But it, does he need to have his back sort of smashed and destroyed by this giant grown man in Jakarta? Like why is that? Why is that the only solution that anyone has figured out for this? Obviously, that is the, that is the case. Yeah, his dad seems like a bad little league dad or something like that, <laughs> who just for some reason couldn't sign his son up for little league, so he tried to make it, you know, make it worse. I guess. I, yeah, it's very it's very strange. Um, I, I I'm glad you brought up Jakarta though, because I I'm assuming that this is just a spinoff of the raid movies in some <laughs> in some fashion. <laughs> I didn't think about that, but sure. When they sure. when they take when he fights the raid guy in Accountant Two, we're all gonna be real excited. Yeah, and actually, I remembered right before we started talking that this there was a part in Indonesia because I was reading the IMDb details and it says language English, Indonesian, French, and then I was like, oh yeah. Uh, and at this point, I feel like I should share the plot keywords from IMDb for this movie. <laughs> uh, there are five of them. They are as follows. Autistic child, autism, accountant, brother-brother relationship, and sniper. <laughs> I love that in the movie called The Accountant, one of the keywords is accountant. accountant yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that there a whole series like, of accountant movies that it falls into? Like, how often is that keyword used? Yeah, it's a big, it's a big genre, I think. Yeah, the accountant movies, you know. <laughs> I believe Jean-Luc Godard made a series of them in the <laughs> 70s. Well, when they make Accountant 2, they'll add another one to that pile, at least. So. Yeah. I, are they making Accountant 2? I feel like I read that story. I, I, I believe they're making an Accountant 2, yes. I think it's a pretty I, well at the box office. So. I would go and see the Accountant 2. Yeah, I got to see where the story goes at this point. I'm sort of locked in. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's a, it's funny too because this is a great role for Affleck who has sort of overcome the sort of doofy uh, yeah. roles he was obviously yeah. saddled with when he was coming up or when he's coming up he was the hot it boy and then no one bought him as that and then he was sort of doofy and everyone lay, and now he's th- this sort of plays off the fact that he's a big doof you know like playing yeah. playing a, a turd accountant autistic <laughs> guy who just is super straight laced and boring that really does work for what i pre- what i imagine ben affleck to be like like batman yeah. no turd accountant yeah. yeah yeah all that's missing is a red Sox hat it might as well just be like him <laughs> at his house i guess all right uh, it's, yeah. it's real bad but also it's um another great cast though, i will say john Bernthal, yeah. gene smart john lithgow anna kendrick yeah. I love John Lithgow's part in this movie. Um, I, I, uh, I mean, it was telegraphed the whole way, but uh, I, I just thought he was he was tremendously. Uh, I'm always happy to see John Lithgow, I guess, and uh, 
I, I enjoyed him a great deal. He's looked the same for like 30 years now, too. Like from like 45 to whatever he is now, late 60s, early yeah. 70s, he looks great. It looks like he strolled over from the third rock from the sunset, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, one thing, though, that I thought was is really like, – like you said, there's a lot of flashbacks in this, and most of them – ultimately serve the larger story about the autistic child learning from his father how to fend for himself and then eventually become this super assassin crazy fighter guy but there's another series of unrelated flashbacks which take a really long time to be resolved and involves jeffrey tambor and i remember yes. i don't know if you remember this but there's a flashback in the beginning of the movie where Affleck is talking to jeffrey tambor in a jail in a prison and you don't know why they're there. You sort of get a sense of what they're talking about, but it's really sort of opaque and strange. And then there's like 40 minutes. And then they go back and tell you, oh, yeah, by the way, Jeffrey Tambor was a mob uh, informant who they let out and then he got killed. And that's why Affleck became sort of this, this you know, force of nature, as you said, because he was so mad about Tambor getting killed. But this, like, there was no, there was no, like, you, we didn't need that for one. Like, it was, um, it was pretty clear that, uh, that like Affleck didn't need really an impetus for being what he was. Like you saw his father whip him into shape. Like you could just assume that he's, uh, you know, just for just a sort of yeah. angry guy in general. And then the tambor yeah. thing was just such a strange, uh, flashback to insert into the movie. I didn't get well, that. The, at all. Yeah. There are like 37 different plot lines in this movie. You've got that, you've got JK Simmons as the like head of the FBI or whatever, who turns out to be, like not good at his job. You've got like the unfulfilled like love story between Affleck and Anna Kendrick in like the the RV that's inside a storage unit. That was pretty awesome too, by the way. Where Ben Affleck uh, has a lightsaber that I guess is from Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what what kind? Was it a a Monet or whatever? It's a some Jackson sort Pollock. Of Jackson Pollock. That's right. Sorry. Yeah, like way <laughs> off there. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's just so it's just so again a really strange a strange movie. I would have loved to like understand why all the why everything was edited together the way it was. <laughs> but like like you said though, like we said before we started though, these movies do sort of operate in this place that you don't see often. Like yeah. I feel like everything, like you said, is is intellectual property or it's a sequel or it's mm -hmm. something that they know is gonna like neither one like Clint obviously sort of has probably carte blanche to make whatever he wants at this point. Yeah. yeah, as long as within scale, and but the and the accountant got made because I'm sure because Affleck is becoming hot again, and Gavin O'Connor, the director, did a couple of movies beforehand that probably gave him a little uh, leeway. But neither one is is they're just like very they operate in this space that we don't see enough of anymore of that mediocre, fun, stupid movie, and I, I it does make you sort of wish that there was more like that, more things that were not just straight good and straight bad. Like so many things you see these days are just embarrassingly stupid and obviously out to just print money or they're great and they're fun, but there's not a lot of middle ground. Yeah. I, I do, I do crave the, like, yes, the middle. And I think what, I think what it is, and I've probably harped on this point at this point. Um, but like there are, there are like adult serious movies and we're about to get like a raft of them starting in October. I'm sure, you know, like the Oscar movies, you know, mm -hmm. that are generally like really good. And then there, for the rest of the year, it just feels like there is like it's just intellectual property remakes, reboots, comic book movies that are not 
they're not geared towards adults. They're geared at best towards like the full family, you know, sort of thing. And so, yeah, they, I just don't, they don't make movies for people like us anymore. Uh, (laughs) or they, or they make so few of them that they, and I, the quality is good, but it's just like, yeah, I want more of, I want more of the schlock, I guess is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and and but I think this year has been interesting, and obviously it's not because of Sully or Accountant; those are from last year. But I was reading there was a great story on The Ringer about Rotten Tomatoes, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this, Andrew. About how I saw it, I really want to read it, but yeah, it's yeah. really good. I highly recommend it to people just because they they sort of. They, they sort of make two points. Point one is that Rotten Tomatoes drives a lot of the, or people presume that Rotten Tomatoes drives the industry and box office to a certain extent, which they debunk a little bit, but they also yeah. give it a little leeway. But they also say that, you know, this, this 2017 has sort of upended a lot of beliefs on what you do to make money. Like there's been tons of huge tent poles that have flopped, like the Transformers movie and yeah. Baywatch, things that people thought were going to be good because everyone knows the name. And then stuff like Get Out and Girls Night and The Big right. Sick, like there's there's been a lot of smaller movies that aren't making a ton of money because they appeal to different demographics or different types of people or because they're just straight up good. Like Big Sick was a rom-com, but a really good rom-com. And it costs, yep. you know, a couple million bucks and it made 35, 40. And that's a huge hit and low risk, potentially high reward. And I think it doesn't mean we're going to see more Sully's or we're going to see more accountants, which is good. I don't need to see necessarily more Sully's or accountants. But... Sounds like we're gonna, we are going to see more accountants, though. <laughs> that's true. And maybe Sully, too. Maybe Maybe Sully's gonna land another plane. Who knows? Sully too. It's just it's just him yelling at Laura Linney for an hour and a half. <laughs> it becomes just a sad story of like domestic violence. In Get the off home. my back, woman! Yeah. We're gonna lose the plot of land, Sully. We need to keep the plot of land. But I do think that like there will there may be not a reckoning per se, but sort of a greater understanding that there are. Like the, the the audiences are weird now. Audiences are segmented. Audiences, you don't. Most things are not all encompassing. But yeah. if you make things that appeal to different types of people, if you if you don't go for broke every time and try and make a billion dollars every time, there's there's a lot of opportunities out there. You just need to be more specific and 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 diverse in the kind of movies you're making. And again, neither one of these movies is particularly diverse at all. But what they do do is they are on a smaller scale. They're not big and bombastic like we said. They're not intellectual property. They're just movies. They just tell a story and. And, you know that can work there's no no one decided that's not going to work people just got tired of making you know 30 million dollars on a 20 million dollar budget they just they wanted more and you don't need more sometimes like why, why lose 100 but you can only lose 30 like hopefully people start seeing that logic a little more yeah and i i guess the other thing that to get to pull way out you know and, and do the sort of global view the other thing i kind of wonder is like you know, this has not been a great financial year generally for the movie industry. Um, you know, I, I wonder how much this is going to, and we've talked about, you know, what even constitutes a movie anymore in the age of Netflix. But I, I do wonder if like, if I, and I have not, nothing to back this up other than idle speculation, but like, do teenagers even care about going to the movies anymore? Like, do they, I don't know. I don't know that they do. And so I wonder if we might get a resurgence of stuff like this because, you know, we're going to be some of the only people still going to the movies in like 20 years. <laughs> I bet if they do go and I bet they do, but probably just to see certain things or for a reason. Or, not, or not get just away as from a, their parents. Yeah. yeah. Not just as yeah. part of like commonplace. Like it used to be yeah. just the fabric of American life was go to the right. movies. I don't think right. people feel that way anymore. 
Right. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, if it means more, if it means more mid-range random stuff like this, I'm all for that. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd rather have this than you know, Justice League or whatever. (laughs) I guess I'm gonna get Justice League. You are. You're gonna. We're gonna get a lot of. No matter how many sullies there are, there's gonna be plenty of Justice League (sighs) with that. Yeah. Yeah. But. The good thing was, I'm just happy to talk about these movies. Again, if you have a chance to watch them, they're both very distinct and very interesting and odd. And the, the, but they're not they're not incompetently made. They're they're curiously made. But, no, but, yeah, yeah. but they're obviously directors who know what they're doing. It's just it's just interesting why they made the choices they made. You know, I feel like that's one of the most fun part about watching them is going, why would they do that? Like, I guess yeah. I get it, but not really. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree that that is the fun, the fun in this. And it's also just kind of fun to, you know, I, I I'm glad you sort of suggested these because I haven't really ever since we started doing this, I've felt so by and large, like so intentional about all the movies I watch because, you know, it's about getting the review and then you'll tell me something's good. And I'm like, I got to see that. And we got the top 10 list in mind and all that stuff. So it was kind of fun to actually just watch a movie for the hell of it with no real purpose. I mean, I know we got a pot, no, we got a podcast out of it, but other than that, it was kind of fun to watch like a crap movie for no good reason. Cause you, you I mean, used to watch a lot of crap movies back in the day too. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I feel like that brought me back to being like, 12 you know and like going going to the movie store and i was gonna say that, like 27 back when you used to see 70 well, movies a year and 30 of them were garbage but even that was more about you know getting my list up you know yeah uh, that's true uh when i was 12 i just had no taste and so or <laughs> terrible true. taste i guess and so i would just pick something like the accountant off the shelf instead of something actually good. Um, I have a friend who rented Dragonheart, I think like five or six times from the movie place. Like, why would you rent the same movie? But like you said, he was probably like nine. He's like, yeah, I love Dragonheart. I want to see it. Yeah, it's got dragons. <laughs> it does yeah. have dragons. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed these. They're, they're good movies. And like I said, I thought they really did serve to highlight something that, you know, hopefully we'll get, if we don't get more of it, it's like you said, it's not going away forever. So that's, that's the good thing is there will always be something like this, I think, at least for our lifetime. So that's sort of reassuring. Sort of. Sort of, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's not all bad at theaters. If you go to nrealdeep.com, you can check out some of our uh, op- some of our reviews. Uh, I saw two great movies that touched on race in a very strong way called Whose Streets Documentary and Detroit. Both, uh, both are very super interesting and not the kind of movies you might normally see in the summer, but definitely worth seeing if you... Uh, not a respite from the current turbulent climate but it definitely adds some insight and intrigue into you know and breaks open those topics in, in unique ways so mm-hmm. and then you saw dunkirk which is fantastic yeah we both saw dunkirk but mm-hmm. we're not doing a podcast on it because you know we're gonna zig where people think we'll zag so um well i no, in all seriousness i did spend a couple seconds on it um that's just a phenomenal movie. And so the reason we kind of decided not to talk about it was, well, one, it's been a couple of weeks since both of us have seen it. And two, I think we both agree that it, it's like, to me, it was the best movie of the year. I haven't seen as much as you have, uh, uh, and, and not particularly close for me in, in, in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, I don't was, know. How, uh, there's not much to say about it other than just, re- you know, read the review. It's, it's a, it's a fantastic piece of cinema so yeah and when andrew and i sit here and talk and agree with each other over and over that's pretty boring i don't think anybody wants it. the best podcasts are the ones where we're furious at each other for random reasons <laughs> so, well, uh, we're not yeah, furious we, here but 
Or we have jokes to make. I don't have any jokes to make about Dunkirk. Really. <laughs> Neither do I. It's the not really joke is, like a funny movie. <laughs> the joke is that you can't understand what they're saying, but that sort of feels on purpose. So it's like, well, that's not really. And everyone has said that too. So just see the movie. It's great. Yeah, the joke, and also that Tom Har- Tom Hardy wears a mask in another Christopher Nolan movie. And I thought that was amusing. <laughs> All that matters is the plan. You know, I kept <laughs> expecting him to do that. That was, not, that was a pretty good Bane. That wasn't bad. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, but that, like that right there was all the jokes we had, so it would have been a short short episode. Yeah, it would have been about 30 um, seconds long, so this is much more enjoyable. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, go to In Real Deep, check out all of our stuff, uh, go see some movies. The movie theaters are still there, they're still showing good stuff. Like Andrew said, we're coming into the doldrums of the summer season at this point, but then we're going to start getting into some Oscar movies. I know I'm seeing a lot of good trailers for some interesting things, and as always, In Real Deep will be here all year to provide you the best in movie criticism and random nerd rambling. So (laughs) that's what we do best. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Well, Andrew, thank you for joining us again. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. I'm always glad we can work one of these into our busy schedules. Let's let's try and make it three in a row. We'll do it. We'll start a streak. A couple months. Talk <laughs> we'll to you in a couple months. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Mm-hmm.